So I want to do a little experiment this morning, and uh, you can answer back to me and uh, shout it out. Let me ask you a question. If this room, if we all left this room, and we filled this room with a bunch of chickens, and then brought you in, and you were the only person in this room, do you think that you would stand out? You can, you can answer. Yes. Yes. Okay. I would hope so. Okay, well, let, 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 let's make it a little harder for you. If uh, we all left this room and we filled this room with a bunch of mice and then brought you in and you were the only person in this room, after you started stop screaming and like, like trying to get on the chairs uh, and stuff, do you think that you would stand out? Yes, I would hope so. Okay, we'll make it a little harder. If we cleared everyone out of this room and we filled this room with a bunch of cows and we brought you in and you were the only person, after you get past the smell of whatever cows smell like and they don't smell very pleasant, do you think that you would stand out? Yes, you're not, you're not so sure. <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope that you would stand out. Okay, let's, let's go a little further. If we cleared everyone out of this room and we filled this room with a bunch of cats, cats, nasty, evil cats, then, uh, sorry, you cat lovers out there, uh, and we brought you in, I would not be here because if it was a room full of cats, I'd be like elsewhere, but we brought you in and you were the only person, would you stand out? Yes, yes, the answer is yes, okay. Okay, final one, this one may be a little harder. And some of you wives may think of your husbands. Your husbands won't stand out on this one. But if we got everybody out of this room and we filled this room with a bunch of apes, then and we brought you in and you were the only person, do you think that you would stand out? <laughs> and that's a guy saying that, exactly. But you probably stand out, right? Now, let me ask you this morning, in this room of human beings, do you stand out? Do you stand out? The, the reason I say that this morning is because I, I'm not sure how scientifically accurate this is, but you, the genes that you have inside of you, you have more genes that are similar to chickens than you do that aren't similar to chickens. In fact, they say about 60% of your genes are similar to chickens, but yet you would stand out. About 75% of your genes are similar to mice. So you are more like mice than you're not like mice, but yet you stand out. About 80% of your genes are pretty similar to cows' genes. But yet you'd still stand out. Cats. And this one, I can't believe this one. I don't believe it myself. But they say that our genes are kind of similar. 90% of our genes are similar to cats' genes. But yet, we would stand out. And then the final one, they say, just depends on the scientist that, 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 you, that, that, that gives you the information. But they say between about 96% to 98% of your genes are similar to apes' genes. But yet, you would stand out. Do you know what the difference is between you and other human beings? Anyone want to give a, a stab in the dark? How close your genes are to the, the person sitting next to you? 
You can't Google, no. <laughs> 99.5% of your genes are similar to the person next to you. But yet, there is a 0.5% that is different. So why is it that all these other animals we would stand out from, but other human beings, we don't necessarily stand out from them? When people see you, when they see you in public, when they see you out, When they see how you live, when they see what you do, when they hear what you say, or even if they hear about you, do they see someone who is different, who stands out from the crowd? Do other people see you as a different kind of person? You know, there are over 7 billion people who live on this planet right now. And my question is to you, do you stand out? Do you stand out? If you're in a big crowd, do you stand out? Some of you, the thought of even standing out would like give you like sweats because you just hate being the center of attention. Others would like, yeah, I want to stand out. But ultimately, really, do you stand out? You know, the Bible tells us in the book of, of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says this. It says, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then, and only then, will you know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Then you will know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I bet if I was to ask each of you this morning, do you want to know what God's will for your life is? You'd be like, yeah, Alex, I want to know what God's will for my life is. The majority of people in this world, whether they even believe in God or not, would love to know what God's will was for their life. What is the purpose of their life? And, 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 and Romans tells us that God has a will for our lives and that will is good. It is pleasing, pleasing to us and pleasing to God, and it is perfect. It's a perfect will. But Romans tells us the way that we learn the will of God is basically to be different. It's to stand out from the crowd. It's to be different. He says, don't copy the behaviors or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. That means don't be like everybody else. Be a different kind of person. Then God will let you know and you will learn the will that God has for your life. So the question today is this. And this is what we're going to look at. And we're going to look through the book of 1 Peter. And if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 Peter, it's right at the back of the, uh, of the New Testament. And uh, if you've gone to, uh, to John and Revelation and Jude, you've gone too far, come back a few pages. But this is the question for today. How do we be different? How do we stand out from the crowd so that we can start to learn the will of God for our lives? And the answer is this. We need to be aware of our lifestyle. 
We need to be aware of our lifestyle. The answer to this question lies within our our, our lifestyle. And unless we are aware of our lifestyle, we will never really know the good and perfect and pleasing will of God for our lives. So we're going to take a look right now about why, how can we be different so that we can start learning the will of God for our lives. And the very first thing I want to share with you is this. We must be aware of living holy lives. We must be aware of living holy lives. Now, for some of you, 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 you may have come into this place today and you're thinking, whoa, holy life, like I, I'm just an average person. I'm not expected to live a holy life. I'm not like a holy man or anything like that. But yet the Bible tells us that each and every one of us, whether, whether we are called to be a, a priest or a pastor, whether we're called to be set apart as a, as a person who just devotes themselves to prayer or a monk or a nun, or if we're just an average Joe, the Bible tells us that we have been called to be holy. And so the very first thing is we need to be aware of living holy lives. And it's found here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. If you haven't got your Bibles, it will, it will be on the screen. And this is what it says. A guy called Peter, he was the guy who denied Jesus. He was, you know, uh, walked on the water with Jesus. And this was a long time after Jesus had died and then God um, been resurrected, gone to heaven. He wrote this. He says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy In everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I am holy. So here, Peter is telling us that we must be holy because God is holy. And we are to copy the behaviors and the customs of God. And if God is a holy God, then we also must be holy people. God doesn't want you to copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. About what those really mean. But God wants you to copy the behaviors and the patterns of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ lived and he worked and he thought and and he loved and, and, and he related to different people. That's how God wants you to behave. That's how God wants you to copy the behaviors and the customs of Jesus Christ. Now, I say the word holy, and some of you this morning, you may think in like, what, like holes like in my sweater, or what, like, you know, like hole, like donut holes, I don't know. And what is holy? What does holy mean? Well, the word holy basically can be defined like this. The word holy means to be separated for God's purposes. Separated God's purpose. Basically, it means be set apart from everything else for God's purposes. And I tell you this morning, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. 
And he wants you to fulfill that purpose in your life. But the way that we do that is we have to be set apart and we have to stand out. And then we start living out the purposes of God. As Jesus was separated from the behaviors and the customs of this world for God's purposes. He came into this world. He did not live like everybody else. He lived differently because he had one purpose. And that was to bring salvation to mankind. And in the same way, God has a purpose for us. And he, and we, he wants us to be separated from the behaviors and the customs of this world for his purposes. So you may ask this morning, well, Alex, how do I become holy? It seems such like a super spiritual word. It's like, how can I become holy? Do I just go and lock myself up in a room? Do I just go and live in a cave? Do I, do I go and like just become a nun or, or, or a monk and just go off somewhere? Is that how I become holy? Do I have to go to seminary and Bible college and, and uh, become a pastor? No, absolutely not. You don't have to do any of those things. Peter tells us exactly how we are to be holy. And this is what he says. Very first part of what I read. He says this. He says in verse, chapter, verse 13 of 1 Peter 1. says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. The very first way that you be holy is to be, think clearly and exercise self-control. Basically, this is what he's saying. Stop, pause, and contemplate on what you are about to do before you do it. Stop, pause, and contemplate on what you are about to do before you do it. Do you know what the customs and the behaviors of this world is? Just to do it because it feels good, because it feels great, because we're in the moment, because we're in the moment. Let's just do it because we're in that moment. That's the behaviors and the customs of this world. But somebody who is holy, somebody who is devoted to God and gives their lives to God is someone who stops, pauses, and thinks about what they're going to do, about what they're going to say, about what they're going to act, about what they're going to type on Facebook or Twitter. They think about it before they do it. They don't do it, then think about it. You know, this week I, uh, I just saw something that like, really just annoyed me. And there's some things, not many things annoy me, but something just really annoyed me. So I, I sent a text message to my wife and, uh, and I just texted. I was just like, I don't know why this is annoying me, but this is annoying me. And I just like ranted in this text message. I'm like, text messages aren't the place to rant, but I did. It was like this big, long text message. And as soon as I hit send, I, I, I felt that was wrong. That was wrong. She didn't say anything to me. She like just texts back, you know, I know how you feel and stuff. But I knew it was wrong because I I had gone through this and I acted on my emotions and, and, and just this, this Alex just came out of me instead of Jesus coming out of me. And it was just like oh, trying to do this. And, and I realized it was wrong because I didn't stop, pause, and contemplate what I was going to do. And I don't know about you. You, you, you may have done it many times. You've said stuff. You've acted in a certain way. You, you've done stuff. You've posted stuff that you regretted after. Stop, pause, and contemplate. 
You know, this isn't something that Jesus just did. Jesus wasn't just this disciplined person who, 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 who never did anything. It wasn't just him. But each of us, we can be disciplined in the way that we act, in the way that we move, and the things that we do. And, and a good measurement is this. Before you say anything, before you do anything, then just stop and think. If the rest of the world right now saw what I was doing or saw what I was saying, would I be proud? Would I be proud? You know, I got that from my wife because sometimes the, the boy in me comes out. You know what I mean? Like the te- I've still got this teenager like sometimes in me. You know, I haven't been a teenager for like 17 years. But this teenager comes out of me. And sometimes I just act in a way that I don't even recognize myself. I'll say things I don't really want to say. I'll do things I don't want to do. Things annoy me. And, 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 and you know, maybe I'll just bite someone's head off or something like this. And, and my wife will often say to me, she says, Alex, she goes, as a pastor, would you want Generation Church, the people of Generation Church, to see what you're like right now? And it didn't happen all the time, you know. Maybe about twice a day. That's about it. So uh, I'm only kidding. But she'll say that to me, and it'll just be it'll just be like a knife in my heart, you know, because I'm I'm realizing I'm not acting as I should. I'm not acting as the holy person that God has designed me to be because I'm not thinking. And a holy person is someone who thinks. Not only that, a holy person is also someone who keeps their eyes focused on the future. Peter says this, he says, look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You know, we dealt with this last week about putting our eyes, being aware of of the future, putting our, fixing our eyes on the future. But the reality is this, is that Jesus Christ didn't come just so that you could have life right now. Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, he rose again so that you could have life in the future. And that will be a life that is everlasting, not a life that is just temporary right now, but it is a life that is everlasting. And he wants you to keep your eyes focused on that life. And someone who is holy is someone who realizes I'm not going to get concerned with what's going on right now, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the future because my future is great. It is heaven bound. It is one of eternity with Jesus Christ. Then he also says this, to be holy. We need to be obedient to what God says. Peter says this, he says, so you must live as God's obedient children. You must live as God's obedient children. You know, the Bible tells us Samuel said this to King Saul. King Saul had made a sacrifice to God, but he he had disobeyed God in what God had told him to do. And Samuel came to this and he said, Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And we can give all this stuff to God, all we want. But if we're not obedient to God, it doesn't please God. And God wants you to be an obedient child of God. So that means when God says to do something, be obedient and do it. Don't be like that 
lazy middle schooler. You know, we haven't got any middle schoolers in here right now. They're kind of lazy. They're just like, oh, I don't want to do anything. You know, sit on the couch. It's like, woe is me. Life is just miserable because I didn't get to level 16 on Call of Duty. You know, I mean, just life is miserable. And you ask them to do something. Maybe some guys are still the same. You know, the wives ask them to put the dishes away and they just don't do it. You know, that they, they, they don't, and you have to keep nudging them, nudging them, and nudging them, and nudging them, and asking them. And then you get like a big cane, and you just whip them, you know, and then you tell them I've got kids, right? And, uh, um, but you do, you, you do that, and it annoys you. Well, it's the same with God. You're God's child. You're God's child. And when God tells you to do something, he wants you to obey him. Not because he's just like some slave master who's driving you, but because he wants the best for you. Because you are his child. You know, I hear a lot of times over the years, people have said to me, says, Alex, you know, I really feel that God is wanting me to tell you something. But I didn't know whether I could tell you or not. I didn't know whether I should say this or not. And this is what I always say to them. I said, if God has told you to say something, say it. No matter what it is. It's up to me to digest whether I feel it's from God or not. But if God has told you to say something, say it. And if you honestly feel that God is asking you to do something, to say something, to give something, to to, to be there for somebody, to maybe send a note to somebody. Maybe he wants you to change careers or something. I don't know. Whatever God is wanting you to do and you feel God is telling you to do it, then do it. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is something that God delights in. And a holy person is someone who is obedient to God. Finally, on on just holiness. Uh, How do we be holy? The very last thing that Peter says. He says, don't do what you used to do. Don't do what you used to do. He says this. He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Don't slip back into your old ways because you didn't know any better then. You know, if you always did something and, got, and you got into trouble because you did it, then stay away from it. Stay away from it. You know, if you've got a problem with drink and alcohol, and you used to be a drunk, and God, is, and God has changed your life, but you still like to drink. Peter's saying, stay away from it. It's going to get you into trouble. It's going to get you into trouble. If you did something that was associated with your former life before God changed you, and God made you into who you are, then stay away from it. You know, my, my friends, they laugh at me. They like, think I'm like some like, crazy guy. Because I listen to very, very, very few non what we call non-Christian songs. Songs that aren't like worship praise songs unto God. And at one point, I got rid of all my non-Christian CDs and everything. And my friend's like, oh, you're one of those who burn the CDs and stuff like that. You know, oh, you're one of those. There's nothing wrong with Christian, non-Christian music. And I totally agree with that. But I remember there was a point in my life where I would listen to non-Christian music full stop. 
And it was a certain kind of music that I listened to. And don't judge me, but it was like dance music. And it was back in the day with Bobby Brown and all that. You know, I told you, don't judge me. It's a non-judgmental place. And I, I went through a period in my life, about three or four years, where every weekend we would just go to the clubs and we would dance. And uh, I would try to dance. I thought I could dance. And, uh, and, and, and then... We, me and my friends, we would go, we would drink, we would, you know, have a time, we would party, and then we would go home and we would, like, listen to, try to find the songs that we listened to, and then that whole week we were trying to get up for the weekend, and I went through a period, a cycle, about three or four years, where my life lived for these weekends, and it was all centered around this music that, that, that was just consuming me. And it wasn't that it was bad music, because if I hear it now, I know all the songs and all the words and stuff. But it was, it associated with a former life where I was not in a good place in my life. And I'll be honest, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there. You know, I, got, I, I know of a guy who is an incredible guitar player. Fantastic guitar player. And it took him years after he found Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior to actually play in church. And we, we would ask him all the time, hey, what do you just play? Why didn't you play? He's like, no, I don't want to play. I'm like, God has given you a gift. Why, why don't you play? Come on, play. You'd be awesome. You know, you're incredible. Use your gift for God, you know, putting all this Christian guilt on him. And, and he would say, no, I don't want it. And this is why. He says, my guitar playing associates with my former life. He said, I got into a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. I was playing in a lot of clubs. He says, I even messed up my marriage. He says, and whenever I pick up a guitar, it just reminds me of that former life. And I don't want to go back. Eventually, you know, God just did an amazing thing in his life. And he, he started to play. And now he plays. And he's an amazing asset to, to the church that he's at. But this is what Peter said. He says, if things are associated with your former life, don't go back to them. Because you're just going to slip away. Someone who is holy is someone who is set apart for God's purposes. And I'm not telling you you can't do this and that. That's what not Peter's saying. Like, for me, the things that bring me away from God are things that, that may not bring you away from God and do them. Listen to all of our Christian music you, you like. I don't care. As long as it's not country music, because that sucks. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but, you know, and heavy metal. That's just really bad. But just do it. You know, do what you want. But if you want to be someone who's holy, then stay away from the things of your former life. Very quickly this morning. We'll quickly go through this. Second thing that Peter says, he says, not just be aware of being holy, but be aware of your home. Be aware of your home. Be aware of where your home is. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. He says, And remember that the, he- that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in, fervent, uh, rev- sorry, in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in this land. Now, remember that word for a moment as we'll continue to read. Foreigners in this land. Just put that in the back of your mind for a moment. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. 
And the ransom he paid for you was not mere silver or gold. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins, sins that you had in a previous life. When you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your hearts. For you have been born again. Now listen to this. But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from an eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, I want to explain a truth to you. And if you've lived in the same place all your life, then this is going to be very hard for you to understand. But the truth is this, this world that you live in right now is not your home. This world is not your home. For those of you, you may have moved around different places. You understand that, you know, there's different places that you call home. But maybe if you moved around a lot, there's not really a place that you really call home. But if you lived in one place all your life, that truth is pretty hard to understand because you know where home is. But the reality is, This world is not your home. For you are what we call sojourners or pilgrims in a foreign land. Meaning that you are people who are passing through this life. You are passing through this land, passing through this thing called planet Earth. And when you were saved, and if God has incredibly saved you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've asked for forgiveness, then the Spirit of God has come and set its home within you, and you've given your life to Jesus, and God has saved you, what we call saved you, then if He has saved you by His awesome grace, then you immediately at that point became a foreigner in this land. And that's because they say home is where the heart is, right? Home is where the heart is. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your heart is with God. Your heart is with God. This world, the customs, behavior of this world are no longer your home. For your home is where God is. You know, Solomon once told us, King Solomon, the great King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says that eternity is in the heart of every man. Eternity is in the heart of every man. That is because we belong in a different place. We belong in a different place. You know, I don't stand out. You know, if I was just sitting amongst you guys, someone came in, I don't stand out. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of don't speak like you guys. 
So whenever I like go out to eat, go out somewhere, and you know it was cute at first, now it's annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, but people are like, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Oh, you're not from around here, are you? I'm like, no, obviously. I said to someone the other day, he says, uh, oh, you're obviously not a native uh, person from Bel I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like this. And they just looked at me and they were like, no, you know, I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, I was just trying to play with them uh, and stuff. It was pretty funny. But kind of my accent gives me away because they would say, you know, obviously you're not native from this country. You know, you weren't born in this country. You weren't raised in this country. And I wasn't. But if we, if, if we didn't have like any mouths and I couldn't like give away my accent and you just saw me out and about, the, uh, you would think that I am just an American. I mean, obviously, some things give me away. I don't wear undershirts. I don't wear white socks with everything. And I don't wear a buckle on my belt for my cell phone like Americans do. And sorry if that offends anybody, but I just don't do it. Um, but if you were to see me, you would think I was American. Do you know why? Because I copy the customs, and the behaviors of this land. I mean, I've even got into football. I mean, come on. I mean, it's like, it's not the greatest sport in the world, but it's pretty good. And I eat like an American. I don't talk like an American. I probably don't walk like an American. But everything else, I am American in in the way that I live. But you know what Peter's saying? Don't be like that. He's saying, don't be like that. He's saying, live in a holy fear of God and what God has done for you. And he says this. He says, people are like grass. The customs of this world, the behaviors of this world are like grass. They will wither and they will fade away as quickly as they come into being. But your home, where your home is, And the word of the one who gave his life for you and everything for you, they are the things that last forever. This world and the things and the problems of this world will not last forever. They come and they go. But the Bible says that the word of the Lord endures forever. It lasts forever. And the place where your home is, is a place that will last forever. So you're just passing through. Keep your focus on the journey. Don't get caught up with the struggles of this temporary world. Keep your eyes on Jesus and the words that this book have been given to us. These are words of life and truth and hope. Let these things guide you. For they're the only certain things. Don't let the customs and the behaviors of this world guide you. But let the words of this book, be your guide. So he says, be aware of your home. And then finally, and very quickly this morning, the last thing, be aware of your diet. Be aware of your diet this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Peter says, be aware of your diet. You know, there was a show that was years ago. I think they showed it over here. I know they showed it in England. 
And it was a show called this. It was, uh, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And it would show the things that you eat, what they would do to your body. And, and, and this is basically a summarization of what they believed in this show. That they said that food affects all of your cells. And by extension, every aspect of our being. It affects our mood, our energy levels, our food cravings, our thinking capacity, our sex drive, our sleeping habits, and our general health. It says, if you feed your body junk and convenience foods, it'll simply lay down fat, lower your energy, and even your brain power. So if you're someone who goes out and you just eat fast food all the time, you eat junk, you don't care about your health, your body will tell you that you are not in a healthy place. Your body will get tired. You won't be able to think clearly. uh, Your emotions won't be right. You won't be able to relate to people as you should. Now, if that is for the things that go into our mouth, how much more is that for our spiritual life? Uh, what, what Paul calls our spiritual bodies. How much more the things that go in affect our spiritual life. Peter says that we have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end, but one that will remain for eternity. He calls it a spiritual birth. And the actions of your lifestyle. The things that you do right now, the lifestyle that you lead right now is feeding your eternal life, your spiritual life. If you are a deceitful person, which I hope you're not. If you're a hypocrite, which also I hope you're not. If you use foul and vulgar language, which you may do from time to time, but I hope you don't. It's just like feeding your bodies with bad food, with a bunch of alcohol and a bunch of drugs. That's what it's doing to your spiritual life. It's going to affect your spiritual body. And I ask you this morning, is the nutrition that you are feeding your soul, bring, is it bringing nourishment to your faith? Is the food that you are feeding your soul, is it bringing nourishment to your faith? Peter tells us, he says, crave and cry out like babies for nourishment. He says, nourishment is this, it's it's spiritual milk. And what he defines as spiritual milk is the word of God. Crave the things that the Bible teaches. Crave the things of God. Notice what he says. He says here, he says, says, so that you will grow out, so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Notice he didn't say you've already experienced the full experience of salvation. For those of you, you may have given your life to Jesus Christ. You may have said something called the sinner's prayer. At that moment, you received salvation. But that was just the start. Peter tells us there is a full experience of salvation. And the way that we experience that is to cry out for nourishment from our Heavenly Father. Many of you this morning, you may have never really experienced the fullness of salvation. Because you've got a bad diet. You're feeding your soul with things. That's just junk. Crave the Word of God. Stop the binge eating, the fast food that makes you feel good now. 
Because like you eat McDonald's, it makes you feel great now. Ten minutes later, you feel awful. And that's exactly when we feed our soul with stuff that isn't right. That's exactly what happens. You know, Jesus once said, he says that he's come to give his life and life to the full. And the problem for most of us is this, is that we seek a full life by judging ourselves against the customs and the behaviors of this world. And you know what happens? We fail every single time. The only one who can give a full life is Jesus Christ. It's his ways, his words, his customs, and his behaviors. And if you live by that, you will experience a full life. So this means we must be aware of our lifestyle. Be aware of if we're, if we're being holy or not. Be aware if we, if we start passing through when we make ourselves too comfortable in this life. Be aware of the spiritual diet that we're feeding ourselves. Let me ask you today, are you aware of your lifestyle? Does it stand out? For that is what God desires. If you want to know the perfect, pleasing will of God for your life, then it must be one that stands out. A life that stands out. Let's bow our heads in prayer.